open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back. We got a tremendous interview today with Vadim Tuletnikov, the CEO of AlphaPoint. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Let's first talk about AlphaPoint a little bit. You're the engine of an exchange. What exactly do you mean by that? Sure. We offer a platform, uh, software that is a white label platform that powers a lot of the digital currency exchanges in the space. And we focus on two types of customers. Uh, one type is startups or entrepreneurs that are huge believers in Bitcoin and want to focus open exchange typically in the local region. For example, we have an exchange, MexPT in Mexico, that's focusing on Latin America and that's focusing on remittance and trading services by integrating with a lot of the 7-Elevens that are in the region. The second type of customer that we have is the larger exchanges or the institutions that are running a successful business, have a development team, but want to leverage our technology to help them grow, to help them scale, to uh, better prepare them to kind of connect to more traditional institutions on Wall Street. And an example of that would be Bitfinex, yeah. uh, one of the largest volume Bitcoin exchanges, right? Yeah, that's right. Obviously, we're very happy to be powering their back end. Uh, they've been growing steadily, and I believe right now process about 35 to 40% of all the trades between Bitcoin and US dollars. Yeah, they're quite a powerhouse. What about security? A lot of these startups, they might not necessarily be security experts or professionals. Is there a solution that you have in terms of the security so the Bitcoins just don't go missing? Sure. So we offer a number of options. Uh, we do provide posting of the wallets ourselves. Our founder, CTO, has a lot of extensive experience in both security and risk-based systems, building basically institutional-grade systems, uh, one of which was acquired by Deutsche Bank. And then... Besides hosting it ourselves, the other two options, A, either let the exchange manage wallets on their own, or we will integrate pretty much any third-party wallet, be that cold storage provider, multi-sig provider that they choose. Bitcoin has always been kind of difficult to buy uh, <laughs> since the first exchanges popped up, you know, way back in the day, uh, you know, just guys kind of trading out of their shoebox, and that's the, where their records are at, right? Just keeping it in the spreadsheet. Now we've actually got a real professional solution here with alpha point i'd like to just kind of hear a story you know you mentioned like max bt uh can you talk a little bit about like what exactly are they doing in terms of the 7-eleven and bitcoins sure so i think what they're doing is really great uh they have a partnership with the 7-elevens that are local to mexico 
to accept the fiat, so the Mexican peso. So basically, if you want to buy Bitcoin, you can walk into any 7-Eleven through the region, deposit pesos, those go directly into your MexBT account, and then you can use their website, their interface to buy Bitcoin. Or on the flip side of it, if you're trying to use it more for a remittance service, you can send Bitcoins to the account, right? Deposit Bitcoins in your 7-Eleven account and then walk into a 7-Eleven withdraw pesos. So the way I see it, they basically become a hub for remittance in one of the regions of the world, you know, and kind of extrapolate that further because we have all these different exchanges, different countries that we're powering, you know, we're basically powering these local hubs that are focusing on the local market and the deposit withdrawals masses of fiat and kind of building this large network that eventually we hope can lower the cost for remittance globally. Yeah, because, I mean, people are paying up to 10% in some markets, you know, on average to send money around like Africa. Yeah, it's true. So, and I've heard actually remittance from South Africa certain corridors might actually go as high as 20%. Wow, so it's really, really crazy. high. You know, it's interesting that, like, you have this Mexican exchange with 7-Eleven, I was looking at some of the stats for Bitcoin.org and March versus April, April's had about twice the traffic across all the major Spanish speaking countries. Mm-hmm. So Mexico, Chile, Colombia, Ecuador, like all of them, uh, their traffic's about doubled, you know, 120,000 visitors in March to Chile uh, Bitcoin.org and 250,000 in April. So something's happening in these Spanish speaking countries. It's kind of fun to hear what it is because you're there kind of right on the front lines with the actual exchanges, with the people boots on the ground that are making stuff happen in these markets. Yeah. I think, you know, my guess is just, uh, these new exchanges are launching are just kind of getting more entrenched in the market and spending a lot of time promoting and helping raise awareness that this is a useful service for different reasons. And it's great to see that kind of traction. You know, another exchange that we launched recently is FlowBTC, and they're focused in Brazil. Yeah, uh, Brazil's traffic's actually up also. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite as much as the Spanish traffic, but the Portuguese traffic, I think, is up 75% month over month, yeah. March to April. It's definitely great to see. Yeah, so what's, what, I mean, what's happening with FlowBTC? So their founder comes from an institution, Deutsche Bank. Uh, he was a trader and worked on their trading desk. So they're focusing more on traders, or at least that's my take in terms of they've been having a lot of early success uh, with growing their trading volumes. Uh, and it seems that they built more of an institutional platform for traders that can come and speculate on Bitcoin. But obviously, that's still great for the ecosystem because it's increasing volume, it's increasing liquidity, and just kind of making the whole system more fluid. Yeah, I was actually down at the uh, Latin American Bitcoin Conference there in Rio and interviewed Rodrigo Batista. He's CEO of Mercado Bitcoin. They were doing about 100 Bitcoin a day on average uh, volume for the country of Brazil. Do you have any idea like where Flow BTC is at now, you know, four or five months later in terms of? Brazilian volume for them and maybe total for the whole market? I'd have to check. Otherwise, I think I'd be speculating. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Trade secrets, huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kind of like BitPay. So I was actually traveling uh, down in the Caribbean once and we went to pay our bill 
and the credit card company wouldn't let us pay the bill and we couldn't leave the island <laughs> because we couldn't pay our bill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they have trouble with electricity on these islands. I mean, they got all these different currencies that you're like trying to pay with. I mean, Bermudan dollars and East Caribbean dollars. And like, are you there? Are, are, you, are you doing anything in the Caribbean? Definitely are. Uh, there's an exchange called BIT which uh, launched two weeks ago, and they're based out of Barbados, but they're focusing on all the Caribbean islands. Uh, You're definitely right about the chargebacks and the credit cards, right? It's uh, sometimes very hard to buy things online. The islands don't support PayPal, I think, for a similar reason. So uh, they're being able to focus on two values. One is to help people buy more things online because of the issue you brought up. And then the other thing is all the islands have different currencies. They're all close together and it becomes very, very hard to trade from one island to another. So they're letting people use their exchange to deposit whatever local currency is, transfer into Bitcoin, and now they can easily buy and sell things between the islands. So we're very excited about what they're doing. Wow. Also, there's a lot of graduate schools in the Caribbean, uh, medical schools, veterinarian schools, uh, nursing schools. And a lot of these students come from places like India and uh, Asia, Philippines. It makes me wonder if there might be a big market there for these big guys to kind of focus on these remittance corridors, because otherwise they're just getting hit with wire transfer fees and exchange rate fees and all this stuff. Yeah, it feels like that, and I definitely hope so. Obviously, one, we're kind of tied to the success of the operators that power the exchanges, but also there's been, over the last couple of years, a lot of talk about remittances, and that that's one of kind of Bitcoin's killer apps. And the use case, everyone points to the reason why it should be so inexpensive because it's so inexpensive to pay with Bitcoin, right? I can send Bitcoin someone to anywhere over the world and they get it instantly or within 10 minutes, right? whatever the block confirmation time is. But what people, I feel like, fail to mention is that that's only useful if the local markets actually accept Bitcoin. And if they don't, you still need to make that conversion back to fiat. And that's what these exchanges have the power do. So they're kind of bridging the last mile, so to speak, and driving down the costs of remittances. So we've talked about Mexico, Brazil, the Caribbean. How about the other side of the world? Are you anywhere over there? Like how about Africa, Asia? Yeah. Like- we have yeah. a couple places. So uh, there's an exchange. We can't announce who they are yet because they haven't launched, but they're working on an exciting project in South Africa. And that's taking mobile minutes, which is very commonly used there as a currency to buy and sell things, and allowing people to take mobile minutes uh, in exchange for Bitcoin. And they're trying to work directly with the carriers to allow this to happen. So I think that's very exciting. Uh, we also announced a recent launch of an exchange, DWV, and uh, that stands for Digital World Ventures in Australia. And they formed a partnership with Westpac, which is the largest bank in Australia, I believe, to be their banking provider. And I think that's very important because of how difficult it's been for Bitcoin startups, especially exchanges, to secure banking relationships. So AlphaPoint's tentacles are just across the globe. Uh, you've got this other product that's kind of like a clearinghouse or can you speak a little bit to that and how that might help make it much more seamless to be moving this capital around the world? Sure. This is something that we've been working on 
for a while. And to take a step back, I think it's useful to explain the current product that we have because this is a new iteration of it. So the current product is called the Remarketer. And the problem that it solves is when a startup exchange launches in a country, let's say Mexico, they have their first customer sign up that wants to buy a Bitcoin and they don't have a seller. Well, that's not a very successful transaction. So what the Remarketer does is basically do software to allow the exchange to get connected to any other exchange on the platform and pull liquidity from those other exchanges. So now when uh, someone comes to the exchange and wants to buy Bitcoin in Mexico, they might be connected to exchange in Norway or in Australia or wherever one of our partners might be to fill the other side. But there's been two challenges with that product. One, the exchange uh, takes certain risk because it creates the orders on their exchange. That's the other side of that leg won't complete. And then if they want to offer the best pricing to their customers, they need to connect to multiple exchanges, which means they need to create multiple accounts. Uh, they need to deposit Bitcoins and dollars in those accounts. And the whole process is a pain to manage. So what we're have been working on offering and releasing is a product that will aggregate access across all these exchanges, for basically a single API. Uh, we support fix, uh, binary WebSocket, anything that customer wants to use or partners want to use. And we're pairing with a partnership with a clearinghouse that will eliminate the need to create multiple accounts across the exchanges. So now all the customer needs to do is create an account with us for the software. Uh, we help them create an account with the clearinghouse. They deposit cash or Bitcoin out to one place, one account. Uh, and all of a sudden, they can trade anywhere, pretty much anywhere across the globe. So we're very excited about being able to offer that. That sounds like it might raise some issues. What about counterparty risk with the other exchanges? I mean, where are the funds being held? Like, how do we know that they're secure? Sure. When when a Bitcoin sold, how do we know that we're going to get our mobile minutes in South Africa or our Caribbean dollars or like whatever it is, if that Bitcoin is being sold to someone, you know, halfway around the world. So it actually reduces those issues because uh, before what you had to do is work with multiple exchanges and expose yourself to multiple places of risk. Now uh, you limit that to just one, the clearinghouse. And, uh, you know, the clearinghouse that we'll be partnering with has a very good balance sheet. So now the risk is just on this one entity and they take the counterparty risk from all the other exchanges. Uh, the other thing that they will also do is offer credit, which will allow you to be able to withdraw either your Bitcoin or your dollars from the clearinghouse before the other exchange actually settles with the clearinghouse. So you don't have to wait for the exchange you just might have bought a Bitcoin from to deposit money into the exchange before you can withdraw. You'll be able to withdraw instantly. Nice. What about Europe? Do you, do you have any projects going on over in Europe? Any fun stories from that part of the world? Um, we have an exchange in Norway called Bitcoins Norway. Uh, they're actually one of our first customers and they run the largest exchange in the region. I don't know about fun stories, but uh, they've been operating for a really long time and still having good success growing their business. What are you kind of most optimistic about in this industry? What inspired you to keep building these great products, keep bringing on new customers, building out this liquidity, this exchange worldwide? I'm most optimistic, I feel like, about 
blockchain and Bitcoin as a whole, just like I think a lot of us that are in this ecosystem, we're huge believers that this is the internet payments and it's going to be very disruptive to a lot of the industries. The way I look at the ecosystem in a very simplified view is in four parts. First, you have to create the Bitcoins and power the network. This is what the miners do. And after you create the Bitcoins and have the network, the very next step is where the exchanges come in. They're basically the on-ramps and off-ramps to the ecosystem. So that's how they let people that are new to Bitcoin acquire Bitcoin. And our vision is, in that regard, is really simple. We just want to help make it very simple for everybody anywhere in the world to buy or sell Bitcoin. That's what we're trying to do. How do you even get involved in this crazy magic internet money? You know, this is my first startup. I had multiple startups, uh, one of which is a hedge fund that I helped start with a partner that's still around. Uh, it's a quant fund. We primarily trade U.S. equities. And in August 2013, we started trading Bitcoin. Ran a very successful you strategy. You want to ran it up from like $60 to 1200 Was I think that, that you? Was, I think that was the Willie bot. The Willie bot. That's right. <laughs> uh, actually... Our strategy was buying and selling Bitcoins really quickly. If we would have held Bitcoin over that period, we actually would have done better. <laughs> oh, no, you just, uh, you just sold them all and but, watched uh, it run. <laughs> but, but we're okay, you know, because we weren't taking kind of the speculative risk. It was more kind of our base strategy. So we did really, really well. We decided not to focus on the Bitcoin side of things, primarily because it was very hard at the time to put a lot of money to work. But I learned about kind of put it on Mount Gox. <laughs> yeah, actually, we were very, very close uh, to putting it on Gox. We had a company in Japan set up. Oh, goodness so we gracious. can uh, withdraw Chinese one, uh, Japanese one. Sorry. Uh, and it was just all about timing. Uh, we were waiting for the account to get approved. And that's the only reason we didn't lose our shirts. <laughs> By the skin on your chin. Huh? That's right. Uh, so we didn't do the strategy, but I learned about the industry, fell in love with the technology. And here <laughs> oh, I am. man, I missed that hairball. That's a, <laughs> yeah, we're, <laughs> you don't want to be in line. I mean, that's one of the problems when you're talking about exchanges, you're talking about things like the bit license. Mm-hmm. Is that going to affect you guys at all? You in New York or I mean, so we are in New York, but we are a software company. And I think it was made clear in the last kind of comment revisions that software companies are excluded. So, you know, that makes us very happy. It's also the reason why we chose this model. Originally, you didn't want to hold anybody's private keys or we didn't want to be in the money transmission business. Uh-huh. And that's the reason why Holding we're funds, not we're, being custodian, moving the money around. Yeah, it's the reason why we're not um, operating our own exchange, which was the original idea when the company got started. Uh, Joe Ventura, who's the founder and CTO, built a super fast matching engine who can process nearly a million trades a second. Wow. And the first application was to run your own exchange, and then he realized how difficult that is, especially in the U.S. He's like, I don't want the brain damage. <laughs> uh, so, you know, what we do is we focus on the software and let the operators focus on the marketing, banking, and compliance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, specializational labor, uh, help people be more efficient and stuff. I'm kind of intrigued, you know, you had a quant fund. Is that how you kind of ran into Bitcoin stuff? You have a really strong math background or computer programming background? I mean, so my background, usually we talk about this in the beginning, but... <laughs> sure, sure. My degree is in finance. Uh, and prior to that, I was a musician. I played jazz guitar. Uh, <laughs> my partner in the fund is a quant. He has a PhD for Penn. We have another analyst that's a econ master's in computer science 
bachelors for Penn, so they're kind of the brains. Uh, I just I was <laughs> dance just, the jig. <laughs> I'm just an entrepreneur that helped them get the business going. Yeah, it's kind of fun. You get to see everybody coming from different backgrounds into Bitcoin. What's the funnest thing that you've had happen to you in the Bitcoin space? That's a really good question. Uh, I feel like we have a lot of fun traveling the world and going to conferences and then uh, hanging out with all the, the Bitcoin crowd and partying <laughs> after the conferences. Uh, you know, I think that the one in the Dominican that we're both at uh, was kind of one of those examples where I feel like a good kind of brain dump of ideas and information for the first half of the day and a lot of uh, hanging out and drinking on the beach for a second half of the day. Yeah, what would we do without Brucey? Like, <laughs> getting everybody together. Where do you see the industry going? Where are we going to be in another three to five years? Is Bitcoin dead? I mean, I've read that like how many times now? If it is, we should wrap up now, right? <laughs> last last interview ever. Of course, I think I don't think any of us believe that. I think we're going to see a lot more applications and use cases. I think the existing companies, including ourselves, and the companies that raised funding have been more infrastructure plays. Right. You need the miners, you need the exchanges, you need the wallets, uh, those type of things without which Bitcoin is entirely not useful. Uh, and now I think we're kind of ready as an industry for people to build useful applications for anybody to be able to use very easily. You know, the analogy I think we hear about a lot is email for the Internet. Email is really easy to explain to your grandmother. You know, that letter that you send and put a stamp on, wait seven days uh, for someone to receive and read, why don't you type it in the computer and it's delivered instantly? Uh, Bitcoin still doesn't have that simple of a use case, and I think that's going to be the next wave of innovation. That's what I'm really excited about. Yeah, I saw a funny picture on Reddit. It, it had a snail, and <laughs> it was captioned, snail money. You know, and that, that's all Very I can good. think of every mm -hmm. time I'm like trying to move money from my PayPal account back to my bank account, or I'm trying to I mean, it's, it is so infuriating, you know, because now, you know, I'm used to Bitcoin. I, I can do Bitcoin transactions. They're instantaneous. I know they happen. They're trackable. Oh, it's just so frustrating dealing with credit cards and ACH and PayPal and like all of this. It's just, oh, so annoying. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Although I think right now, Bitcoin, especially for the average person, is still relatively difficult, right? You have to set up on a wallet after you figure out what that is. And then you have to figure out, you know, how to use the QR codes and send it around. So I still think even from a UI interface perspective, there's uh, a couple steps of evolution that need to take place that will take place. Uh, but uh, in general, it's the applications that I'm kind of most excited most, about. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. it's been wonderful. We've had... Vadim, I, I still can't pronounce your last name. Maybe you can give it for us. Sure. Vadim Teletnikov. Vadim Teletnikov, uh, CEO of Alpha Point, the exchange uh, powering engine there. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast with us. Okay. Thanks for having me. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at Bitcoin.kn.
Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. Thank you.